good to be here with you. Happy Volunteer Sunday. Uh, as as Daryl said, we're going to be a little bit brief this morning. So just really quick, what is the universe doing here and what are we doing in it? 2,600 years ago, uh, there was a kingdom called the Babylonian Empire. And they told a story about what the universe is doing here and what we're doing here in it. The story is called Enuma Elish, and we have the story. I'll tell you a little bit of it. Uh, so they said that long ago there was a, a, there was a great battle between a god named Marduk and a goddess named Tiamat. And they fought mightily for dominance. Eventually, uh, Marduk, Marduk won. He shot Tiamat in the heart uh, with, with an arrow. And, and he was victorious, and, uh, with, and he divided Tiamat's remains in half, and with half he made the heavens, and with half he made the earth. And that's how the physical world, they said, came to exist. Later, uh, Marduk, who is now the dominant of the gods, decided that he and all the other gods uh, needed servants, they were tired of doing their own work. And so he said, what if we uh, create a race of servants? We'll, call, we'll create human beings. And so he has another, uh, another god named Kingu um, sacrificed. And with Kingu's blood, he makes human beings and he enslaves them. He imposes on them the duty of serving the gods and, and serving their every whim and every need so that the gods could relax. That was the story in the Babylonian Empire. Uh, it's a story of violence and, and chaos and, and the strong ruthlessly exploiting the weak. And it's not a very good story. And if you tell that story again and again to, to a society and they come to believe it, uh, it's going to change the way that they, that they function in the world. And, and that's how you get a nation that has an insatiable desire to uh, conquer and dominate other nations, which is what the Babylonian Empire was. Uh, we know and believe a better story because 2,600 years ago, there was another kingdom. It was, it's, uh, it was known as the kingdom of Judah. They were God's people. And 2,600 years ago, they were conquered by the Babylonian Empire. And they were taken away into captivity to live as a nation in captivity in Babylon for 60 years. This is a period known as the exile. It's really important to understanding the Bible. Now, when you're living at, with your countrymen and countrywomen in another nation, your national identity becomes really important. When I was 18, I went away to Bible school in Australia, and there was a significant group of us in Australia who were Canadian. And I'll tell you, I talked more about Tim Hortons and hockey in Australia than I ever did in Canada. Why? Because when you're away from home, you start to focus on the things that tie you back to home. So the Judahites were living in Babylon, and they would have heard their neighbors tell the story of Enuma Elish, and, say, and they would have heard their neighbors say, this is what the universe is all about, this is what we're doing here. It's, it's warfare, it's 
uh, enslavement, it's chaos, it's mayhem. And the Judahites would have said, wait, no, that's not the story. And that's not what the universe is about. And that's not who the God is that's in charge of all of this. The Judahites had a, had a different story. They had been uh, passing that story down orally for generations by this point, but it was probably during their time in Babylon that they said, we got to write this thing down because it's really important. And so they wrote down their story about the universe and what we're doing here. And we have it in the Bible. It's in a book called Genesis. We're going to take a look at it here. It starts out, and it says... Now the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the surface, or and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. It starts out, and, the, and it says, the earth is formless and void. Uh, you could translate it, it's a, a disordered wasteland, okay? The Hebrew word there is actually the word that's used to describe my living room when the kids are home. There's no form, there's no order, there's no purpose. And then God gets to work. It says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And the story continues, and God creates the land and the sea, and he sees that it's good. Uh, he, he creates plants and trees, and he sees that it's good. And it goes on and on like that. See, the Judahites are, are living in Babylon, and, and they... They believe in and know a different God and a different story. The Judahites knew a God who created not, uh, not through violence, but through speech. He says, let there be light. A God who creates not because he desires dominance, but because he desires goodness. A God who doesn't perpetuate and create chaos and disorder and mayhem, but a God who sees a world that is a disordered wasteland. It's, it's formless and void. And he begins to work and bring that world from formless and void toward beauty and purpose and order and goodness. God then creates human beings and it says he created human beings in his image and that he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Later it says, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. There were no people to cultivate the soil. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So we have this God who, who is moving the world from formless and void toward order and beauty and purpose and goodness. And the ultimate expression of that is this garden. He, he plants a garden, right? Because a garden is a space that was formless and void, but it's been cultivated. 
And then he creates human beings, and again, very different story. He creates human beings not through taking life, but through giving his own life. He breathes his life into them. And he doesn't, and he doesn't enslave them. He honors them by creating them in his image. And it says he blesses them, and he doesn't burden them with, uh, with sort of being, being enslaved. He invites them into the beautiful work that he's doing of moving the world from formless and void into order, beauty, purpose, goodness. The God of the Judahites and the God of the Bible is inviting human beings into the work he's doing. In other words, you could say it this way. The God of Genesis is gardening the universe, and he invites us to garden along with him. For the ancient Babylonians, what is the universe doing here? What are we doing here? Well, we're, we're soldiers, we're slaves, and we're enslavers. The story of the Bible is, by contrast, that we are all, by calling, gardeners. God is gardening the universe, and he's inviting us to garden it along with him. 600 years later, there came a descendant of the Judahites. His name was Jesus, and one of the things that we know about him is that he was the creator in human form. He was he was God in flesh, and he came to renew creation. We went through that as we uh, worked through the Gospel of John this year. Uh, Jesus was arrested and murdered, and he rose again. Now, he didn't have to rise again to continue to exist. He's eternal. But he physically rose from the dead to inaugurate a new creation here within this world. To say, no, we're, we're, we're renewing the garden of the earth. This all matters. About 60 years after that, Jesus' friend John had a series of visions of the end of history, and he wrote them down in a book that we call Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible. And here's the ending. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look. I'm making everything new. That's the end of the story that the Judahites were telling 2,600 years ago. Notice two things about the ending of the story. Number one, creation is remade. So now we've taken this creation that was formless and void, and, and now all the ways that it was formless and void are gone. So all the problems of creation, death, sorrow, crying, pain, are gone. Creation is made new. And then secondly... The story ends, it said, in a holy city. Verse 2, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. The story ends in a city. So we've gone from formless and void, a disordered wasteland, to a garden 
to a city? Do you see the trajectory that's there? See, you start with an empty space, and then you cultivate it a, a bit, and then you got a garden. If you keep cultivating it, the garden's going to get a little bit bigger, and maybe you're going to build some paths, maybe a couple of small buildings, and then you keep cultivating it some more, and the paths become roads, and eventually you keep cultivating it, and your garden becomes a city. And the end of history is the holy city, and God and his people dwell together in it. So that's the story. And it's a better story than Babylon's story. It's a better story than, than chaos and, and violence and enslavement and exploitation. And the beautiful thing about this story is it invites us to take part in it. See, because when, when people choose in big and small ways to help move the world away from formless and void and toward order, beauty, purpose, and goodness. They're taking part in the story. They're taking part in what God is doing in creation. When you create great art or music, when you shake someone's hand and make them feel cared for, when you pray with someone, when you pressure wash a sidewalk, when you lead a care group or serve on a committee, when you change a diaper, when you practice hospitality, when you mentor a student, when you stack chairs, when you bring someone a meal, when you visit someone in the hospital, you are taking up your calling to be a gardener of the earth. And in case it needs to be said, we're focused a little bit on South Langley Church today. This isn't just a South Langley Church thing. We can do it outside of these walls too. The world is a garden and we're invited to garden all of it. We're all gardeners. So this week, the church received some flowers and a card. Um, these are the flowers. They're pink. And that's all I know. They're pink flowers. <laughs> we received a card with them. Um, the card is on the bulletin board in the hallway. You can check that out. Uh, it's, it's a card with glitter, but the glitter is contained which is really important because that stuff gets everywhere. So high marks for the card. It was a thank you from a, from a family uh, whose child attends our preschool here, Sunshine Street. 36 hours before we got the flowers and the card, we had hosted about 200 people in this room for our preschool graduation. Two weeks before we got the flowers and the card, uh, we had opened our property to a thousand people for our fun fair. We had, we had been able to be a blessing that day for a thousand people. That day was sandwiched between a, a funeral and a memorial, and so on the Thursday before and the uh, Monday after, we hosted services in this space uh, for families who had lost loved ones, and we welcomed them in, hosted their service, fed them, and gave them a safe and welcoming place to grieve and celebrate together. This week, I ran into um, the son of one of the deceased. He doesn't come to the church. Um, ran into him at the Brookswood Starbucks. We had a conversation. South Langley Church has a friendship with that family now that wasn't there before. A week before that, we hosted Ride for Doug, and we had 
70 riders on 90 motorcycles, and the, and the event raised over $28,000. What's that? What did I say? Oh, man. <laughs> Haven't you guys seen that trick where you ride two motorcycles? <laughs> Anyways, what were we talking about? We raised over, the, the event raised over $28,000 for muscular dystrophy uh, research and support. All that to say nothing of our Sunday gatherings, kids' church, student ministries, moms and tots, Freedom 55, SWAP, and care groups, which all run throughout the school year. Here's the idea, South Langley Church. Uh, we are gardening our corner of the earth. We're bringing order and beauty and purpose and goodness in spaces that could otherwise be formless and void. And so we're so thankful that so many of you have, have jumped in. You know, we, I, I looked this week, I did a little rough math. I think we're at about 80% of our volunteers, our 80% of our adults are volunteering, which is way above average. So you can go ahead and give yourselves a hand. That's good, right? Here's what the card said. Dear the wonderful village of South Langley Church, which is our church's legal name, by the way. Just kidding. <laughs> Dear the wonderful village of South Langley Church, thank you all very much for all the work you do as a team to make this church such a wonderful place to bring our kids to. The fairs, fashion shows, graduation, and each preschool day here is greatly enjoyed by not only the children, but the parents and families as well. Thank you. So they gave the, the card and the flowers to us as a staff team, and we got to enjoy them. We, we kept them in the office. But the truth is, this is not our success. This is your success. The truth is that, um, that no victory at South Langley Church is the staff team's victory. That every victory, every success of South Langley Church belongs to the congregation because it depends on the congregation. And so... These flowers, I mean, they really belong to you. I, I don't, we're not going to divide them up or anything. Um, but, but you can have donuts later, so like fair trade. Anyways. One of our goals at South Langley Church is equip God's people. And, you know, you can, you can get really fancy about that, and we can talk about the way that we, you know, teach the Bible and, and build our teaching into our care groups and all that. Uh, a, a big part of it, a big part of equipping God's people is this. We're in the business of handing out shovels and saying, let's get in the garden. And so to those of you who are gardening along with us, thank you for, for, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for jumping in. Uh, thanks for, for getting uh, grass stains on your knees and dirt under your fingernails and calluses on your hands. Thanks for, for what you're planting and watering. Thanks for getting up early and staying late and for sweating and crying. Thanks for saying, I'll do it, instead of hanging back and waiting for someone else to do it. Thanks, to, thanks for putting your hand to the shovel. We're all gardeners. And so to all of us, as we wrap up a school year and as we look ahead, um, I invite you to continue or to begin the holy and ordinary and glorious and uncomfortable and messy work of gardening this corner of the earth.
together with its creator. Where all gardeners grab a shovel. Amen. So, so much more could be said here. And the truth is, sometimes you can say what you need to say in a sermon. Sometimes you can only say it in a song. So I want to invite the team up. And we've got something for you. Give us a sec here. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I didn't know Dave played the piano. And I don't. And so here, I'm just going to switch mics here. You guys ready? Check, you got me? So... This is, uh, this is for you from our staff team. We want you to know that we appreciate you, that we love you lots. And if this is a bomb, it just means that we should have got volunteers to do it. 